Sex is the life force energy that runs through us all. The link between sex, creativity, and the sense of aliveness is strong. Can you use sexual energy for your spiritual evolution? Or perhaps for emotional healing? Is it even possible? Clinical sexologist Dr. Martha Tara Lee will explore all these and more on the Eros Evolution Show here on Ohm Times Radio and TV. Hello, hello, and welcome to Eros Evolution. This is where we talk about sex, spirituality, and uh, everything in between. So today, uh, we're going to talk about work-life balance, whether it's a myth. So the title is, is Work-Life Balance, a Myth. So what does work-life balance actually mean to you? Is it important before you give up on your work-life, uh, work or career <laughs> and life to balance your dreams? Having clarity of what work-life balance encompasses in totality is important. How do you transition and strike a healthy balance between your working life and your personal life? The balance is more nuanced than that, and it also varies amongst different people. So today I have with me Life Transition Coach Lynette Har, and uh, we will be exploring why the need is more important than ever especially given the unpredictable, often under-pressure work-life environment and the addi additional blurring of lines between work and personal time, with many of us working from home now because of COVID. Uh, so how do we adapt to the new normal whilst maintaining sanity and to the dream life we want to build? So a uh, little bit about my guest, Lynette Har, um, actually walks the talk of work-life balance by combining mommyhood with her second career as a professional certified coach with the International Coaching Federation. She's a trainer and speaker with international experience, certified Enneagram coach and author. So with over 20 years of experience working with corporations, the first 15 years being in oil and gas, IT and telco and uh, the headhunting industry, based in Singapore. So now her work actually spans uh, four key continents, Asia, Europe, Middle East, and Americas, with a dominant uh, domain expertise in account management, sales and marketing, and human resource management. So she does work with corporate executives to rediscover their greatness and uh, so that they can be better versions of themselves, achieve an integrated work-life family and be credible, effective leaders. So you can find my guest Lynette at uh, coachlynette.org, coach Facebook, Live Transition Coach Lynette, as well as Instagram. So welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much, Martha. Yeah, Thank you, it's a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, so today we're going to talk about work-life balance, uh, specifically more about work, because mm -hmm. uh, first May uh, was... Labor Day, in Labor Day. <laughs> and um, I always talk about um, sex and I always have sex relationship coaches, but I never really had a corporate person talking about career. So when it comes to work-life balance, uh, what does that mean and um, how can people begin to do it? I think work-life balance was always the go-to mantra, if I can say that, uh, especially when I was in corporate and amongst many of my friends. So that work-life balance to me then, right, to me then was 
having that healthy balance between work and life as in like a 50-50 share because um, having an equilibrium of both, having a 50-50 share of both work and then personal life and the ability to actually do both sometimes at the same time. But I realized that pre-pandemic, um, that didn't quite work because I was actually um, in a global role and in the global role, I was also managing Middle East. And they operate on the weekends. And I dealt with the US. And US actually works at night. Or Europe, UK, for example. So that went out of the window. Um, but growing up, I think, as that season, during that season of the life, um, having a new career, proving it, and going all out in that career, then... Um, it was fun. I had a lot of fun dealing with the international corporate cultures uh, and different people of different nationalities. I was having a lot of fun connecting with them. And there was a commonality there that we shared. Um, that's just give it your all out and enjoy the work because it was really fulfilling that I was managing client services. But that kind of like went out the window when I started having kids. <laughs> so that equilibrium required a little bit of a tilting again. Yeah, um, and then that's when I decided, fast forward uh, to where I am, uh, where I was six years ago, I decided I had to draw the line because I was struggling. I was struggling very badly and mommy's guilt then, uh, long story short, was very real. Um, and that's when I decided to draw the line uh, with the blessing of my partner. Uh, we drew the line and now... Um, I coach people on that because I use my story uh, and use the lessons that I've learned. And it's a sharing because coaching is not about me giving you the answers. It's about you exploring uh, what is true for you and how do you want to bring it forward with actionable steps. And as a client would say, you know, I'm still breathing here and I'm so glad I am because they, there's a misnomer that, you know, when you have to change a habit, it's, it's going to break a bone or something. But she succeeded and she's very happy where she is now. She hit her targets on top of having that balance. Mm. So what tips do you have around achieving work-life balance? Tips? Mm. I think the first thing that you need to know is what's important for you. What's important for you in life? Uh, Sounds like a very big question, but it's a very fundamental question, I feel. Because running the, the rat race or the corporate race then, um, going through different seasonalities of life, different things were important. So I think the first important thing you need, you need to ask yourself is, what's important for you today? What's important for you right now or in this season of your life? Because I think as women, we go through so many transitions in life. And that's why I call myself a life transition coach and strategist as well. Um, because in, when we go through the different seasons, different things are important then for us. So find out what's most important. And the easiest thing to do that is actually connecting through a coach, a certified coach that will actually help you to uncover the layers to find out what truly matters to you and how can you make that count because right now my mantra is also living life without regrets because especially with the pandemic so many things have moved um you don't quite know what's going to happen tomorrow 
So how are you living your life out to the fullest without regret? So find out what's most important to you. I think that's the most uh, the critical first thing. Second thing would be after you've done that, how are you going to in, infuse that into life, right? How are you going to infuse that into your life so that there's always, um, is that a balance or is that a harmony uh, that you seek for? Because it's about pouring from a full cup, yeah? Because we can't pour from an empty cup and if we haven't even topped up our own, how are you going to top up someone else, right? So I always believe in, you know, find out what's most important for you. And then after you do that, then how do you do it? And that's where in that coaching process, it's that second part of it. How do you do it? And that's why it's not a one-off as well, because we're talking about forming a new habit. And when we form a new habit, after how you do it, the first session, it takes 28 days to form a habit. So you need to constantly work at it. And there will be a lot of curveballs and challenges. I promised <laughs> that will be thrown at you. But it's about how do you bounce back, right? How do you have that grit or the tenacity or the resilience to move forward in, in the face of everything that's going on? I think that's important as well. So the second thing is, how do you actually move forward, right? What's important for you? How do you actually move forward from that? And the last thing actually is sustaining it, right? Sustaining it to ensure that your cup is constantly full. Because, again, comes back to the mantra, how do you pour from an empty cup? And when we are full, we're able to give a lot more. And that's a journey that I've, I've realized, that's realization that I've realized uh, along my journey as well and in coaching with my clients because very often we give or we help on the pretext that we're helping others to because it makes us happy. But when you have that five minutes to, to just chill and sit, are you happy? <laughs> are you full? You know, and if there is some form of frustration, anxiety, or even anger there, why? You know, it's time to ask yourself that question of why. And if you don't like what you see, change it. And the best way is actually also to engage your coach. And, and that's why, I, okay, uh, I say this is the second career because I enjoy seeing the fulfillment. Um, and it's, it's beautiful to watch the aha or that sense of accomplishment that my clients receive at the at the end of the entire sessions that we have together the takeaway is it's 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 undescribable you know and and that's why i say it's um, something that i will do until i can't <laughs> no longer yeah actually the last thing is how do you after you know find out what's most important how do you do it sustain it carry it through to the end and then the last point actually really is be kind to yourself because a lot of times we're very harsh <laughs> that inner critique that goes in through the mind is very real that cycle that just criticizes that inner critique of, why didn't you do this i thought you said you're gonna do this but you did and all these are just going through the mind right so how do you exercise self-care, which is a very commonly used word but very and very loosely used? But how many of us actually do that? And I, I, I admit, I'm guilty of it myself as well. But it's about taking control of it, being able to catch yourself before you go there and then taking control so that you can move on and be really that best version of yourself 
for yourself first before you can actually serve others. And that's what I truly believe. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for the question. <laughs> so, so uh, being a mother yourself, uh, you have three kids. So you you decided enough is enough, and then you left the corporate world to start this second career. So, but before that, how did you deal with um, mommy's guilt? Maybe you can share this with our listeners. Such a, you know, brings back memories when you when you ask that question. How did I deal with mommy's guilt? I think first, I was. I am still very blessed to have family support. Um, my husband is a merchant sailor. So he would be away seven, eight months at a time. And uh, on record, it's supposed to be six. But they often can't find Singaporeans then to, to replace. So I was very fortunate to have, the, have his parents, um, parents around to support me. But that constant mad rush of running to work, running back home. And then after that, our kids crying. And then I have my elder two are about a year and a half apart. And during that period, he wasn't back uh, on shore yet. So I was living with my in-laws. So dealing with it last time, I used to cry myself to sleep. <laughs> yeah. I, and that frustration or the anger of why am I not doing this? Why am I not at home? You know, she's not well. Or he's actually, uh, he had a fall in school. You know, why Why am I not there? How, what kind of mom am I if, I if I'm not there? So all these thoughts that were um, just running through, even though you're physically in the office, but you're not even there. Or when my child is unwell, um, I remember then they had this dreadful hand, foot, mouth disease or they would used to have this 40 degree temperatures that would last a whole week and I'm like, shit, don't have to go to work already. <laughs> Oops, sorry, I cursed. Uh, I don't have to go to work. How am I going to go to work and leave, and leave my child with my in-laws or even with my helper then that I had? Um, when I wasn't even getting, I wasn't even getting enough sleep. So two, three hours was the max I had. But how did I cope with a lot of help, support um, from family? And just really, I realized on hindsight now, biting that bullet and just doing it. Biting on the bullet and saying, you know, this is what I got to do. And that sense of responsibility to just make sure the ship sailed, literally, um, that the kids were okay. And I think the trust that I started developing um, in the main, main caregivers. So that's why I'm saying I'm very fortunate and very blessed to have uh, my parents, my in-laws, um, being very hands-on grandparents to help. Because I think without them, my husband and I would not be where we are today. And, and that's why I say very openly as well. So without their support, um, that would not have been possible. Um, managing both ends. Because having a very young family and, and growing and then going into a corporate role with a husband absent because of work, yeah, <laughs> it's a stretch and it's very real. So, but then the next thing that I realized was not only trusting my caregivers, um, and in this case, I was very blessed to have my parents with me, my family, my parents with me. It was giving it my all 
when I was at work. Being able to control the mind to say, you know, you're here now, make your time count and give it your all to make sure that when you're home, you can be fully present with your with my children as well. And that's what I constantly reminded myself and became a it became a habit. And that trust factor that I had with my with my um in-laws then, my mom-in-law, who was actually my main, main caregiver for all my kids then. Um, and that giving my all, doing my very best when I'm at work and not thinking of both when I was at both, which means when I'm at work, I'm fully present at work. And when I'm home, I'm fully present at home. Meant the striking of a better balance, a better equilibrium then, because the initial phase, the first five years was torture <laughs> yeah and especially for yeah given the the um the nature of my work and the nature of my husband's work and in singapore you can't quite not work right it's for sustainability <laughs> yeah it's really tough to have to juggle work and also the lack of control over your time yeah so what are what are uh, I know you 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 uh, talked about these tips when it comes to achieving work-life balance, uh, looking at what's important, how to infuse that into your life, sustaining it, being kind to yourself. Um, but maybe I was looking for some practical tips. Um, do you have uh, any? Ah, important to spend time with yourself. Mm. <laughs> as fundamental as it sounds. Mm. Um, it's important. It comes back to what I was saying before. Uh, spend some time with yourself. Be it five minutes or if you're commuting from the office back home, uh, spend that time for yourself doing what you want at that moment. There is a very... Okay, for me then, it was very... Um, to multitask. When you're on the train or when you're driving, uh, thinking about work and thinking about what you're going to do next is very, it's, it's very tempting. And it's something that would be a big go-to. But I realized that uh, <laughs> detoxing, <laughs> leaving uh, your work at your workplace um, in that journey home helped me. Uh, and I've seen help my clients uh, do that detox. And when I say detox is because it just helps you to organize your thoughts so that you're physically and mentally all present, um, be it at work or at home. So when you're leaving from one point to another, just consciously detox yourself or create a to-do list or, you know, or create a list where leave all the things that are undone or that you want to do onto that list and just itemize it down. And I realize right now I use a calendar it's my go-to. It's like my encyclopedia for what I need to do next. Itemize it out. Schedule it out, you know. Um, and also put timestamps or uh, times to it. Meaning, um, okay, I need to reply um, this person today. Give yourself that time. Schedule it out. If it's not done today, schedule it out. When are you going to do it? Because it helps you to just consciously offload what's going on in your mind so that when you are at your next destination, be it traveling from, 
from work back home, it just helps your mind to offload what's there, the pressure that's there. And then the minute when you're at home, it's then you you it's a practice. It's very easy to say, but it's a practice that you just switch off then. And if you need be, you know, I always believe that having at this season, when the kids are a bit older, having the meals with them, it's so important to catch up with each other's life. So right now, in this second career, managing the different um, timetables of five different people, <laughs> you know, we make it a point to at least uh, have a meal together every day, if not a must on weekends, because that helps you to reconnect with what's important for me, and that's family, right? Reconnecting with everyone to know, yeah, just reconnecting and then seeing the joy and then just picking fun at each other and having fun together uh, as a family unit. That also helps fill my cup so that after dinner, after cleaning up, we, when we each go do what we need to do, you can turn on the laptop again, do what you want again, and continue on your list. But I realized that in this journey, that precious meal time is a block of time where we have a no handphones rule on the table. We're fully present. Uh, we have a good time, an hour, an hour and a half, two hours sometimes, depending if it's a weekday or weekend. And sometimes we just hang out and chips, <laughs> dessert, <laughs> to continue the conversation, to enjoy the conversation after that. So I'm not sure if that helps or answers your questions. Yeah, okay. So you shared the importance of uh, spending time with yourself to decompress, to uh, compartmentalize, uh, detox, uh, mindfulness when you're by yourself basically have some me time yeah and to uh itemize comp uh schedule block schedule out your calendar yeah yeah and uh having uh routines uh mm -hmm. such as uh blocks like family time and meal time so i i i think these are really great i just wonder um this um i don't know whether you notice this with your clients um is that um, maybe I'm I'm stereotyping and I'm making some generalizations, but I do find that um, in my experience working with heterosexual couples, uh, men versus women, uh, men tend to actually have a better job in compartmentalizing, um, in creating time for themselves versus their spouse. Um, there's this mommy skill, I guess, because it's biological, you know, you carry the baby for nine months, you're very attached to the child. A lot of them just uh, put all of themselves into um, taking care of their child. Uh, so there's work and then there's child, you know, so what life is there to speak of? Whereas mm -hmm. my clients who are men, uh, they do uh, guard that time after work to maybe be a little bit more... Um, conscious of it, of how they use it. So for instance, like, uh, sure, they have their work time and then they have kids time, come home, but they also have gym time. They have me time. So gym time mm -hmm. becomes me time. 
even though I see gym as a practice of more uh, self-care and uh, taking care of your body versus self-love versus those um, for some people, they love it, but some people, they actually do it out of a necessity to take care of themselves. So, mm. so yeah, so I was wondering whether you see this between uh, men and women uh, being a coach of uh, so many different people. If individuals, if, if men are better at compartmentalizing um, yeah, in your at that time, right? Um, Actually, in the experience I've, 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 where I've talked to so many, coached so many, right? Um, women, I think, okay, I speak for myself first. Um, because of the different seasons that we go through, and I think you're, in that sense, that ability to compartmentalize the emotions is stronger for some than the other and i'm when i'm sharing this i'm thinking about the anagram model because i'm a anagram coach as well because there are certain types within the anagram model that are better able to compartmentalize because that's their dna that's the way they are and there are certain that would allow emotions to run ahead <laughs> um so is there a perfect scenario no but is it important to be able to get the job done? Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, and how do you, again, strike that balance? So if I bring it back into what we're talking about in terms of work-life balance, I've seen, I've seen even very high corporate flyers. Um, and let's talk about ladies first. Um, have that challenge initially and it's still very real of the mummy's guilt but then that ability to quickly switch so that they get that job that task at hand done to compartmentalize their emotions out of the task on hand is a lot quicker and i think this is a trained muscle right i i, I talk about it being a trained muscles because when we're conscious of what we're doing, if we're actually using logical thought process towards it, or are we allowing our emotions to run ahead of us and, and decide you know, what's the next course of action? Um, or are we going to allow our emotions to control the rest of our day? It's a conscious choice that we have. Um, but the thing is, the sad thing is not many people are aware. You know, having that level of awareness that not many people are aware that you actually do have a choice. You know, do you want to let your emotions run through or do you want to um, finish the task at hand so that you can be at home <laughs> in totality? It's a conscious choice. So do I see women and men generally being able to compartmentalize? The general broad brush statement would be yes. But is it a trained muscle that you can have? Yes, as well. It is a train. Uh, it is a muscle that all of us can build, regardless of gender. Um, but the question is: Are you conscious about it? <laughs> are you allowing that logical thought process to to run, so that you can compartmentalize that time out for yourself, be it for self love or self care that you mentioned, or are you just allowing your emotions to or your guilt 
to run your life. Because yes. guilt then is of yes. <clears throat> yes, I agree with you. And uh, we're going to come back and uh, after this break. Okay. Om Times TV. Imagine becoming a super influencer. Reinvent yourself, invest in your brand, and then manifest your success with a robust, spheric approach. Ohm Times Media and Broadcasting offers a unique and multifaceted way to become the spiritual and conscious influencer you deserve to be by putting your message across our powerful platform with its proven record of integrity and excellence. Through our produced shows, Ohm Times offers the opportunity to become a social media TV personality, a radio show host, an Ohm Times Magazine columnist, and a syndicated podcaster, all in one shot. By live streaming your show on Ohm Times TV and broadcasting it across the extensive Ohm Times radio and TV networks, you become more than a host. You become an ambassador and a force for positive change. Ohm Times, open yourself to the possibilities. If I could be you, you could be me for just one hour. If we could find a way to get inside each other's minds. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Well, before you abuse, criticize and accuse. Walk a mile in my shoes. Hi everyone, uh, we're back from the break. Today we're talking about whether work-life balance is a myth. And I have with me uh, Coach Lynette Parr. You can find her at coachlynette.org and live transition coach Lynette at IG and Facebook. So before the break, we were talking about uh, what, what is work-life balance, how you can achieve work-life balance, dealing with mommy's guilt, we shared some practical tips and also the importance of uh, carving out me time, uh, developing this uh, muscle of uh, logical thinking. So I completely agree with you, uh, Lynette, about this. Um, I think um, being born in a woman's body and having all these female hormones running through my body, I have to say that um, for many years of my life, I was really this emotional person who just went with how I felt and um, living from my heart, being very heart-centered uh, based on what I'm feeling, this is what I should do. And uh, what happened was that uh, being so emotional, um, even supposedly irrational, actually caused a lot of stress in my relationship to the point that I became more aware that uh, I'm actually not exercising that uh, that muscle of self-control so that um, in different situations, I can be different uh, because it's just about being uh, adaptable. And I, 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 I really like, um, I really wonder, you know, like um, why is it this is not uh, thought, you know, more. So anyway, uh, do you teach this uh, with your clients uh, in, in your work? How to better deal with the emotions? Actually, no. It's it's 
quite spooky when you ask that because I was just talking to a client recently about um, are you using your logical thought process or are you using your logical mind to make that decision or is it, are you allowing your emotions to run through? Um, and it's very real. And constantly, uh, I was actually using the, because I'm an Enneagram coach, um, and when I was helping my client with that, because they had engaged me then for that, uh, we talk about the type 5 and the type 4. The type 5 being the logical process thinker whose muscle of logical process thinking is very strong, naturally born. Whereas the type 4 is someone who is ruled or governed by emotion or like you said, the heart-centered people. Whereas the type 5 are the head-centered people. So like I tease, yeah, different location, so different bandwidth, different, um, different needs as well and different purposes, right? So when do we use what? It really then depends on the situation. When you're talking or trying to build a relationship, do you need to use your head? No, it's about building that connection. But when you're actually having to have a task done, it's about then using that, building that logical muscle, right? Uh, or using that head-centered um, gift to bring forward a task to ensure that it gets done and going into the depth of it so that you find out what actually happens. So it's ironic that you asked that question because I was just talking about this to a client last week. Um, she was actually going to take a decision, had left, had tendered, but the boss hadn't given her a clear uh, last day that wasn't con concretized. Um, but on the other hand, the job offer, job was already offered with the other company and she was going to start in the other organization. So she had two fruits, uh, two balls juggling in the air so then it became are you allowing your emotions to rule your decision to move forward or is this something that's very logical because you've tended there is a notice period if you've already talked to your supervisors and human resource and etc is that something that you need to you know logically think about and to talk and to finalize rather than Oh, it's her birthday today. I can't quite talk to her because you know she's out, she's celebrating, uh, and even tomorrow, and etc. You know, sometimes half harsh as it may seem, when it comes down to logical mind versus the heart, they are in separate location for a reason, as I always tell my clients. Um, and it's a learning journey for all, including myself, right? When do you actually use the heart and when do you actually use the mind? But that clear distinction of what is what I've seen so far is when it's task-oriented, the head kicks in, is <laughs> being activated. But when it's something to do with relationship, that's when the heart builds that authentic connection um, with the other so that you move through together. Yeah, so it's really about uh, awareness and uh, practice so that uh, we know when to do what. Yep. Um, okay, so I want to ask uh, more specifically about uh, work from home tips. Uh, I actually have many that I would mm. love to share. So 
uh, I just wanted to hear from you because what happened, I, I feel, is that the last two years because of COVID, uh, a lot of us have uh, worked from home and it can be very destabilizing uh, um, when uh, some people have a routine of work is work and then home is home. So now the home space is workspace. And so it's really destabilizing. People are, are feeling like mentally very tired and exhausted. And so I did have clients uh, asking me about how to manage the relationship and then the, the whole thing about working from home. So I was wondering whether you had you had you had your own tips before I go into mine. Oh, okay. So we do three three. <laughs> um, I think the first thing um, that I've learned through the pandemic is the tips would be first. I think set your boundaries. <laughs> set your boundaries meaning when I'm in a meeting you cannot disturb me <laughs> and when i say you i'm talking about my children or even my parents because my parents are with me uh yeah so the first thing is really set your boundaries you know um set your boundaries have signs or indicators or do not disturb or i use my my air cooler to actually block off the doorway because i don't have a door to my study <laughs> so i use that and they know that once mommy has that out, she's in the meeting and it's a do not disturb, right? So first thing is set your boundaries out, set clear boundaries, right? Um, physical location because of the blinding of both is to physically set that boundary out as well. Second thing is carve out common times where you connect because you are as much as we are working from home, kids are also studying from home. So they may need support. So that's why I schedule my times to have that meal times. And my meal times are a little bit longer so that I can catch all three, um, if not four, depending, including the biggest <laughs> baby. <laughs> um, I can catch all of them. So schedule out common times. That's the second so they can reconnect um, and if they need support and help, that's the best time to get it. Um, and then the third is, I actually have a public calendar with a family. <laughs> so we schedule out times um, or we block off times when we are not going to be around or at home or in meetings um, so that when we want to schedule some family time together, it's very uh, easy to be able to refer to the family calendar. Um, so I use technology in that sense, right, to make our life a lot easier. So those are the three quick tips that I can think of right now. Mm. Okay, I really love your tips because actually they are very similar to mine. So um, because um, what I do is I actually work with couples who come in together and there was a statistics that showed that uh, even though more couples were working from home and supposedly had more time uh, it, wa it wasn't leading to more sex so there was a study that was uh, taken in Singapore which was published and so what was happening is couples were only having maybe um, one 
additional sexual encounter, sex, uh, basically when it comes to sexual frequency, basically just one additional uh, sex experience that week. And so I was asked uh, by the media why I thought that is. And I think it's because people were not used to it. And uh, this whole disruption to the way they operate, the way they think, the function. Because if you've been conditioned eight hours a day, 12 hours a day, whatever it is, uh, that, that's work time, it's very difficult. So mm -hmm. I had clients who had uh, struggles around it. So these are some of the tips I have. The first one is uh, very similar to what Lynette said to um, schedule it, to have an e-calendar, and you can sync it with your partners. So you need to have the boundary of uh, between this time to this time, this is work time. So just because I'm at, at work and you can see me across the room, it doesn't mean you get to talk to me. So being really clear about it, even though you know it's, it's so challenging, they can see that you are you seem to be doing nothing, but it doesn't mean that they can talk to you. So instead, what they can do is they can uh, WhatsApp you, even using the phone to just uh, ask for permission whether they can talk to you, mm -hmm. rather than disrupt, disrupt, disrupt you from your train of thoughts. Mm -hmm. uh, being able to cover what you mentioned, the common time. So having certain routines of like these are the touch points of the day. So. Um, tea break will be this time and then uh, lunch will be this time uh, will be very useful so that they know that these are the times they can talk to you uh, so uh, re-establishing uh, new uh, routines and uh, basically a new schedule of the day can be uh, important yeah. and uh, also when it comes to really training your mind to separate work and uh, personal time that even if you have just a small little desk uh, it's really important to keep all your work on that desk and then mentally tell yourself, once I leave my desk, that's off time. That's my me time. That's my personal time now. So instead of uh, actually traveling to office, it's like the desk or the corner or wherever it is that you work is that fixed place in the house that you work from. And once you leave that area, so I even tell my clients, maybe you can uh, put masking tape on the floor and actually signal this to your brain that this is work. And then once I leave this box, um, then this is personal time. So training your mind to really separate work and uh, personal space, even though it's just a very, very few steps away from your bed, um, is very important. Um, because I've had many, many, many years of working from home. So for the first one, two years where I worked from home and also my desk was just a few steps from my bed, I realized this was like uh, spilling over into my sleep and this was uh, really, really, very disruptive. So I completely understand how challenging it can be, how mentally tiring it can be for people who are working from home. So yes, um, being very clear, like, okay, this is my work desk, this is my workspace. I'm going to write everything down, all the things that I need to do all the things that are still lingering in my mind. And I'm not going to carry it um, with me outside of this space. So training your mind, like what we mentioned about like training your mind and your, um, your brain and your emotional um, space so that you separate it. Because work is work and we shouldn't be carrying work outside of work. But I think a lot of people just are unable to, to not do that. Um, so yeah, so it's really about the intention, training yourself, um, and also, uh, I think a lot of people don't realize the amount of stress that we are carrying um, through this time because uh, work is home, 
uh, home is work and then there's uh, kids and then there's uh, expectation of your partner then there's the additional thing about okay let's cook from home so that we are safe yeah, yep. and so it's stressful so being able to um, treat this even though it doesn't seem stressful to treat this as a time that is stressful so what can I do during this stressful time of uncertainty uh, what can I do to make sure that I don't break down that I don't burn out that I don't develop depression what are some of the things that I can do to really, really calm down my nervous system. So we need to develop new healthy practices to, yeah. to cope with stress. So uh, anyway, coming back to my three tips, the first one is to schedule everything, have an e-calendar. The second one is to really separate work and personal space, whether it's a desk, whether it's a, a chalk, or whether it's a, 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 a masking tape on the floor, um, so that you separate that. And then the third one is being really, really gentle with yourself, being very mindful of how stressful everything is. It is probably more stressful than we realize. And we need to be very mindful of this so that we do not um, break down, we do not uh, burn out. So these are the three uh, so-called uh, work from home tips that I have. Uh, so moving on from that, uh, Lynette, I really want to ask you this question because uh, you work with companies, you've been in corporate culture for a very long time, much more than me. So what are some of the changes and trends that you are seeing about the workplace? And what are some things that people can, uh, should be thinking of, prepare themselves for that? The changes that I see in the workplace in terms of the balance of work life? Because of COVID. COVID. So there's like much more remote working. There are mm. people in Singapore who are saying that um, they, they, are, they might leave the job if their company mm. is not ready for flexi mm. uh, work arrangements because we are now so used to this arrangement and um, how it actually works better because I think for such a long time um, I speak for Singapore um, they really really about you know like sucking your blood dry they really expect you to sit in front of the desk even when you know you don't have much work whereas now with um, with COVID um, so many companies are allowing employees to work from home and then allowing flexi hours like it's it's less about you know chaining you to the desk and more about just get the work done yeah getting the job done yeah yeah, yeah. so so what are some of the trends that you you can see already emerging mm. it's a very good question you know martha because i was reading an article on uh, linkedin and they're actually advocating flexible <laughs> and i found it very interesting because um and I was the long story short. The I, when I was I was reading that article about flexible, and I was thinking, you know, if if this thing was in existence and being carried through by all organizations, then six ten years ago, I probably would still be doing what I was I was doing because I was actually enjoying my role. I was loving my job, and I was a high flyer then. I would probably still be doing what I was doing then, but. And that's the that's the difference that I see, because before the pandemic, again speaking for Asia, um, it's you need to clock in your time. You need to be physically in the office. You need to be in the office so that I can see that you are working and that you, regardless whether you are actually working or not working, <laughs> um, your mind is somewhere else or not. You are physically in the office. Okay counted checked you know as in that checkbox is done that you are time in good um, but 
because of the pandemic, because of the push of all of us onto online technology, organizations being forced to adapt to this new work norm of meeting online, of being able to use schedules, of trusting the employees to get that job done. And employees, of course, wanting to um, still having that integrity to push out uh, the projects or the task um, at hand is the trend that I'm seeing, the move into digitization. But with that, it's actually come up with a whole different host of issues. Because right now with organizations transitioning back, they realize, like you rightly said in the article, we don't want to go back to 100%, um, a hybrid, 100% work in the office. Now, given some roles require a physical presence, um, for example, if you're in an operational intensive where you work with um, dedicated uh, services, which because of security reasons you cannot do anywhere else, yes, it's definitely no negotiations, no negotiations there. But when the flexible time comes is about actually then carrying that task and still the ability or the flexibility of having perhaps a five-day or a four-day in some cultures in the West, you know, where you dedicate a time or block of time off to do things that mean something to you. So, for example, Google actually over this few years have transitioned into having that important dedicated thinking time. They call it thinking time because they find that people are so constantly, like you rightly pointed out earlier as well, Martha, just on that wheel to run the role, the, that, that task, that it's, they forget about innovation. They forget about design, think, uh, design thinking, which, uh, or being creative, or thinking about how can I do this task a lot better? So that's actually something that's evolving as well. And that's why I see organizations moving towards a hybrid of a mismatch, because um, in some of the clients that I coach, um, they, these are high flyers. They know what they need to do to get the job done. Um, being in the office is important to build that relationship or what we call um, that pantry talk, you know, to build that relationship, to know what's happening in another person's life or even that pre-talk before a meeting. You know, before a nine o'clock meeting happens, people come in early and you catch up with each other's life. Oh, how's your kids? How oh, your wife just delivered, etc. These are relationship building, which is important, which is critical because we're all human after all. But ensuring that the task gets done is when that hybrid comes model comes out because the ability to actually, I would attest to it, to work from home and my checklist is like, da, 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 da. It's, it's very prevailing to be able to knock off the checklist when you're actually at home because you save on the commute time or the running around. And that's why I see that hybrid model actually coming out. And I can understand that, um, why individuals may prefer to have that hybrid. But I would say we've come a long way from before the pandemic of organizations accepting that work can still be done without you being physically in the office. Now, projects took a longer time because their communication um, 
saw a dip. And because of that, because of that blurred work and life, it became a mismatch of everything all boxed up or, 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 or uh, plasticine or glued back into one pack. So what has helped my clients is when we work out how do we separate them because they are different in that sense, but there is that overlap. So how do you actually separate them so that they actually work for you, but in that long run still serve you, which is that, that delicate balance. So is there a balance? <laughs> that's the next question, right? So that's the transition that I've seen before. Mm, very tough unless you're working in an MNC which has that culture from HQ. During is just pure digital, uh, effective, mm, productive, question mark, depending on individuals. Right now, it's very much of a hybrid. Yeah, I agree with you about this hybrid arrangement. I hope, I hope uh, there comes a time where our work and our career, you know, it's it's supposed to support us. It's supposed to support yeah. our life and, you know, all the different kinds of ways people prefer to work rather than mm -hmm. for our life to fit into the work culture. Sure. And then we're miserable, we feel trapped, we feel stuck, feel angry and helpless. Um, I think it starts from us also feeling not disempowered, like being able to have a dialogue with HR, being able to ask yeah. for what we need from our bosses to advocate for it. Yeah. And uh, of course, being willing to take the plunge of leaving if we are, you know, really unhappy. So weighing all the options is uh, definitely um something to consider okay so uh we're almost coming to the end of the show so is there any uh, last words that you have for the audience lynette i think martha if i can may just continue on to that point just now it took me five six years before i finally plucked up the courage to leave corporate because there was no balance then and i was actually miserable even though on the front i was like ah you know that amazing um high flyer but that's when now that I've gone through the training of being a professional certified coach, um, I realized that speaking to a coach actually will be able to help me shorten that process. So the thing here is you do not have to walk this journey alone. Reach out and seek for help. And a coach would actually give you that unbiased uh, conversation to uncover what's actually important for you to perhaps get, even get a win-win to seek that win-win that will work out for both. Because like what Martha, you rightly had pointed out, we are working to live, not living to work, <laughs> right? So there is a difference there. Where, what weightage are you actually putting out uh, for yourself? Yeah. So connect yeah. with the coach. Talk to me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, so it has been a really uh, enjoyable session uh, having you. Thank you so much. So uh, just to do a shout out for what Lynette is offering. So for those of you who actually go to her Facebook page, Life Transition Coach Lynette, uh, and you like the Facebook page, uh, you will be able to uh, enjoy a chemistry session with her worth uh, $500. So uh, do check out her website. And uh, in today's episode, we talk about work-life um, balance and 
uh, we hope that we've given you uh, a lot of practical tips around how to negotiate, navigate this so that life becomes better for you. It's our uh, intention to support you so that you can be um, a happier, more productive uh, person in your life. So next week, I have actually um, Dr. Tara, who's going to, uh, yes, so her name is Tara. She's going to uh, be talking about uh, female pleasure. And uh, so do stay tuned uh, with Eros Evolution next week. So thank you once again, Lynette. Thank you very much, Martha. It's a pleasure.